This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show and this is the Inspire series. So I bring guests on that have overcome challenges, they have a story to tell that you can take some wisdom from, take some inspiration from and learn from their journey as well. And the first guest I'm bringing on is Tracy Lamori. I hope I pronounced that right. (laughs) You got it. And she's an international publicist, and she works all around the world. So, Tracy, I'm excited to have you on. So share a little bit about you, and what would you say was the biggest challenge you've overcome? Um, I would say, well, number one, I was, okay, I'm sorry, my name is Tracy. I'm internationally awarded publicist now. I've been, uh, I started my business um, I actually wrote my first press release 20 years ago um, as an activist, as a young activist, never intending for it to be uh, for a living. It was to help free an innocent man from death row, which after 20 years, we ultimately did. So that was how I first learned. But then I started my business after I had the aha moment that all the skills that I'd learned from, you know, managing the media over those years, international media, big name media, that I could you know, use those skills that most people don't know how to how to deal with media, how to get into media, how to get media's attention, so that I could use those skills to help people build their brands or help entertainers, you know, find their fans, <laughs> that kind of thing. And so I started uh, as a freelancer, uh, literally 10 years ago, 10 years ago, almost the week. And um, then six years ago, we had a general partnership, we built our first business, which was Lamori Public Relations, and marketing, we called it, but we never ended up doing any marketing. We just called it that thing, you know, what if I don't get the PR work, you know, you know, we we were getting all kinds of PR right from the beginning, all kinds of work. And um, ultimately, we incorporated a year ago. Now we're in our actual one year anniversary of incorporation after, you know, successes, tons of success as a freelancer, as a, um, you know, a general partnership. My, my business consultant was finally like, listen, you are literally global. You need to incorporate. So we finally incorporated. And that's been my lesson the last year. But I didn't go to school for any of this. I didn't go to school for anything. I just graduated high school and started working. Uh, PR now, if you know, they'll tell you it's a four or five year university course or college course. But really, you know, you get out of that and you don't necessarily, you know, you don't have the contacts, you don't have the connections, you don't have the necessarily the people skills. So I just started all that, doing all that, proved myself. Now I'm teaching PR. I speak to students all the time, you know, so it's an interesting trajectory. But I think my story shows that you know, everybody has something in their life that you may be passionate about or, you know, you may be good at. In my case, it was the activist work that led me to my media work. But we all think that we have to hate our nine to five. You have to hate your day job. And, you know, we just do things in the night of, you know, the, the nine to five is just a finance part of the life that we actually like, but you actually can't. And without necessarily, you know, a university degree, though, it's not an easy trajectory. There are other ways, you know, there are always other ways to the top. And so I think that's a kind of an inspiring story too. So what was the the biggest challenge that you've overcome then? Um, well, I would say, well, if you turn, you know, we've all had like personal challenges, of course, but just keeping it from a business, you know, on a business side, when I started my business or when I started as a freelancer, when I started thinking, hey, wait a minute, maybe I could, instead of, you know, working for telesales jobs I hate and stuff, actually do something myself and start to build something. I wasn't even thinking in terms of building a business because I didn't, I never saw myself as somebody who would be in a business. I was a worker. I didn't know how to build a business. I wasn't taught that. I didn't go and get an MBA. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just knew how to do what I was doing. So when I started to do what I was doing with the full confidence in myself that, hey, you know, pick me to do it. And I managed, you know, somehow I managed to get 
those contacts and contracts and start up until I am where I am today. But I literally started, we had just sold um, a house with some, you know, all kinds of trauma and stuff going on that we, you know, didn't want to get into, but we just sold, sold the house and we were back in Toronto, myself, my husband and our son at the time. And it, for the first time in my life, we rented some crappy little apartment. Like our house wasn't even sold. It was, ugh, it was just not cool. And I rented some crappy little apartment and we, all of our furniture was somewhere else. So we were literally like, suddenly I'm looking around me and I'm in an apartment with like nothing in it as though I was like a 20 year old with nothing ever. You know what I mean? I didn't have very much. I'd lost everything pretty much. And we were trying to figure what we were going to do next. So there I literally was in the corner, not even a proper desk, Michael, literally in the corner of my uh, you know, living room when I had a child, an autistic child who's now 18 and brilliant. But at the time, you know, it was challenging in the back. Shh, mommy's trying to work and there I am you know in the corner of, a, of my living room not a well furnished living room <laughs> with a little fold-up desk and crappy old laptop and that's what or not even a laptop, crappy old desktop and that's you know I, I had to figure out with literally no connections no knowledge no anything how to navigate what is actually a really difficult landscape to navigate I didn't choose something easy you know and now somehow literally 10 a day other than COVID interrupting us, you know, if you look at 2019, I had nine business trips to eight with eight different clients to five countries on four continents, all paid all, you know, and that's from a, a telesales girl who was, who had no industry knowledge or any industry skill. So I just literally built it to myself. It all comes down to self-belief. And I always say that's the first step, whether you're talking about media access or doing something epic or whatever. If you, most people, most of us don't believe that we can. And this isn't just something I learned on a stage. We really don't believe we can. That's why we don't try to free the innocent guy on death row. That's why we don't try to stop child, you know, starvation. That's why we don't like build a business or we don't take that trip we always talked about a lot of times we just think oh i'm gonna do it someday or we think that the people who accomplish those things are different or better or or more connected than us and so we stop ourselves but if you just go no you know what i'm gonna show you what i can do you can show you know you do <laughs> yeah i definitely get that sometimes the only thing you can do is let the journey unfold as well. Like we all talk about lessons which we're going to get to in a moment and takeaways and we all say hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But the only way you can get that is by taking one step at a time and occasionally looking backwards, you know? So what was running through your mind at the time and do you have any, any lessons or any takeaways from going through that? don't let anything stop you don't look at the things that you don't look at your limitations like i don't have a nice computer and i don't have an office and i don't have any money for any equipment and i don't have any money for all those little services and software that would make my you know job easier just literally what do i have well i'm incredibly i'm not just talking about me this is i'm saying you say this to yourself right so you know what i'm skilled i'm smart i've i'm resourceful i've and also i've got this powerful tool in front of me that you and i are both looking at the interwebs. And with this, you know, that I built my business on that. I built everything on that. I don't know how I would have done it without this. But we right now, and I know from working with everybody from celebrities to small businesses, that especially during COVID, we all became in this position. No matter how rich you were, how much money you have, or how much, you know, whatever, whatever, 90% of us ended up staring at the screen trying to figure out how the heck are we supposed to navigate whatever the heck is going on right now. And that's why you see, you know, and then it, so you started to see celebrities doing the TV shows from their living room couch. And you started, you know, but people became a lot more available 
if you have a product or an offer or something to think about, you know, so there's a week, no matter how limited you think you are, or how limited you think your resources are, we have access to like in front of us, what no other generation has ever had, all the knowledge of the world, all the people that you ever could want to talk to, all everybody is right here in your pocket. So it's only about how do you reach them? And not like in a marketing way, but building. So people, when they Google you, they, there's a gravitas behind your, your name that, you know, third-party credibility or whatever they, social credibility, whatever they call it these days, but like building your brand, your reputation for thought leadership, all those buzzwords that really just mean well-known for what you do and developing a reputation. It definitely seems like you, you may not have had the situation you may not have looked like you doing amazing things when you were starting out but you definitely had the mindset and the the self-talk around it that allowed you to take those steps so i think and then very quickly because i did that it's ex- you know the, the, the proof is in the pudding you're like hey i can do this someone's like hey i believe that you can i'm gonna get a chance to let you go do that and then you do it and then you rock it and then you do it and you rock it again you know so you have to back up that self-confidence it's not arrogance it's not a false it's confidence that you can do well and that you will you know and, and that you will do well and that you're passionate about whatever it is that you're doing and it's about people not always about just profit and the profit will come well, I hope everyone listening that will take a lot from it and that will have some boost and hopefully take some of the, the self-confidence away with them. How can people find more about you? And if they want to learn more, where can they go? If you anybody listening, you'll find some value things. Geez, how could I edit me? I could get in media. So you can reach me and we can just talk about it. No, um, no stress or anything. But if you say that you heard me on Michael's show, I'll be happy to do a free 30 minute console. And, and then if you decide that you'd like me to be your publicist, then that's a whole other conversation. But you can find me at all my socials. If you have my name spelled right, you can find me on Instagram, Tracy Lamori PR Media, on Facebook and LinkedIn, Tracy Lamori, lamorimedia.com as well. All right, Tracy, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you, sir. Next on the show, I'm joined by Emmanuel Anthony, who is a researcher, writer, teacher, inspirational speaker, and has helped people overcome many challenges over the past 11 years. So he's got over a decade of experience in what he does. Emmanuel, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me a whole half a world away. Yeah, you're all the way in Australia, which is very, very exciting. I'm really, really uh impressed with technology allowing us to do this Uh, but this show today is all about overcoming adversity and sharing your story so what would you say was the biggest challenge you've ever overcome so far I'd have to say 11 years ago giving myself permission to do what it is that I do today albeit today that a you know, in regular day in the office would be 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. assisting clients globally to create changes in their lives or inspirational speaking. 11 years ago, if you had told me that I was going to be doing this, or even 12, just before I gave myself permission, I, I wouldn't have said that was the case. You know, uh, there was a lot of work, a lot of internal work that had to be done within myself, a lot of unresolved emotions. And that had taken years of attempting to find the solutions for it. But even the day that I realized what I was here to do on planet Earth, giving myself permission to actually go out and do that, I felt that was been the major and the biggest challenge that I've ever faced within my whole life. In that moment then, when you realize that you actually have something 
to change because that can very often be the starting point, you know, realizing you've got that desire to change. But what did it take for you to actually allow yourself and give yourself the permission to do what it is that you do? It's a great question. So um, coming to Australia uh, when I was about four years old, I spoke fluent French. My family's from uh, Rodriguez Island, which is a little French island. And I spoke fluent French and I didn't speak much English. So when I started school, we moved around a lot because my family didn't have a lot of money. And as we moved around a lot, I wanted to make friends that I had trouble speaking. So all of my other senses uh, became quite attuned. And I started studying human behavior then. I wouldn't have said that. I would say I was just copying the people that had the most popularity because it looked like they had something in an area that uh, I was inspired to do within myself. But I would look at uh, what they were doing with their hands, uh, their tonality, uh, how they interacted with other people. I would literally study, <laughs> you know, all the way from grade one to grade three, uh, what those with the greatest level of success were doing in areas that I was inspired to achieve. Now, I wasn't very strong physically, so I was pushed around and bullied. Uh, and mentally, I was scared uh, as well. So I was pushed in that area. But they're probably two of my favorite areas of life today. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't had those voids and those challenges. So as I grew up, eventually I started to master those areas, uh, became very popular, uh, started working at nightclubs in my teens, uh, started doing bodybuilding. So uh, I couldn't get picked on. But I had a lot of emotional challenges around my father. And the more popular I came, the more of a socialite I became, the more I started to um, find myself on television and in the media. It became very evident that uh, the things that you run away from, you run into. <laughs> and uh, the more the spotlight's on you, uh, the more you see the things that trigger you off. And around uh, 22 to 23, I had started sending, you know, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, um, anybody that I possibly could that had some kind of information uh, as to how I could quieten the inside and work on that. And eventually, uh, two of my friends uh, today, but a friend of mine, Bahir, said, you know, you've been attending a lot of these uh, speakers. I've got a guy called Dr. John D. Martini, and I'd like you to attend this talk. I've never heard of John before, but I thought it would be a fantastic thing. And he had made a lot of money and was quite successful. So I thought I'd come and attend this talk. Little did I know that that was the talk that was going to change my life forever. When I attended, Dr. John D. Martini, for those of you that are maybe listening but don't know who he is, is a leading human behavioral specialist in the world, Guinness Book record holder for most books ever read by a human being, uh, and he teaches in over 100 ologies. So as I'm hearing him speak on stage, I'd never heard anybody as sophisticated or smart as this person before. He was speaking about physiology, psychology, biology, astronomy, uh, and merging them all into one. And I just didn't know that a person could be that smart. That was literally one of the things I remember saying in my head. And at the end of the talk, I, it, was, it was profound. I just, I'd never heard anyone speak like that. And everything that he said, I needed about five minutes to digest one minute of what he was talking about. I was breathtaking uh, after his talk. And then it was oh, a seminar. So they, they offered a thing to attend his workshop. I didn't have any money at the time, but George, a gentleman that I'd met there, that I'd been uh, acting, you know, quite buddy-like with, tapped me on the shoulder and said, let's go, when they, when they made the offer. I said, oh, yeah, bloody oath, let's go. And he's, so we walked to the back and they said, all right, it's $4,000. And I'm thinking, Jesus, I don't even have $100. How am I going to pay for this? But I looked at George and I smiled and I said, yeah. 
And he said, oh, let's go to Perth. It's a whole other state. It's about, you know, the other side of Australia from where I was at the time in Melbourne. And he said, let's go there. That's the first one. I said, of course, why wouldn't we? My head, I'm thinking, Jesus, <laughs> now you've added a couple <laughs> of thousand to this as well. <laughs> just, so, just on planes or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. So um, planes, accommodation, food, everything. So I'm smiling and I signed up to a payment plan, put my credit card down, uh, went home and I'm sitting in bed just going, what have you done, mate? And I knew that this guy had something because <laughs> he, he was teaching this method. He called the Martini method and it would help you dissolve your emotions towards anybody and he guaranteed it. And I had, a, I had at least 20 years of emotional baggage towards my father I needed to get rid of and an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So that was the first test. Because that first test was to give myself a goal. Because I tell clients today, uh, if you've got the rent due, if your car repayment's due, if your mortgage is due, you find a way to pay for that. You give other people money. But finding the ability to do that for yourself and what's most important is what's valuable. Sometimes we forget that. So that was my first lesson. And I set that goal and I achieved it. Now, where I attended that workshop is a Saturday all the way through to Sunday. So you start 6 a.m. on Saturday and you finish on Sunday night. And I worked on my father and in under probably five or six hours, worked through about 20 years worth of baggage towards my father. I can't even say it without getting into tears because it's such a beautiful moment. And as I worked through my father, I looked on stage and the last of the last part of my father, I, I couldn't go back into a moment of, you know, him and I punching on or anything and find anything but love and gratitude. And as I looked at John on stage, I saw my most inspired mission. I just saw with absolute clarity. It's like the whole universe froze. And I went, that's what I'm meant to be doing. Now, at the time, uh, I'm working in nightclubs. Uh, regular weekend involves uh, every substance you can possibly imagine and finishing up on a Tuesday. So I'm thinking, who am I to give myself permission and go out and do that? Who's going to listen to me? But I knew in my heart of hearts that that's why I was here, that there was no mistakes. There was a synchronicity in this moment and I was meant to be there to awaken that inside of me. And in fact, I've been helping people my whole life, but now I finally would give myself permission to do it to a greater degree. So I got home on the weekend after, pardon me, on the Monday after that, and I'd had a powerful weekend. My father's my best friend today. I went to a workshop, worked on him, went from arguing every single day to being best friends. So my mom and him didn't understand what happened. They just saw me come back. But I'm sitting in my bed. It's uh, dark. It's nighttime. I'm reflecting on what has just happened. I'm just kind of sitting um, with my legs crossed on the bed, the meditation pose. And this is probably what I'm leading to here. As I sat there, I, I knew what I was inspired to do. I just completed a thing called the values determination. I get my clients to do it every um, consult that they start with me. But it lets you know what you're most inspired to do in your life. It lets you know where you're organized, disciplined, reliable, focused, think about, talk about, it really brings clarity and certainty to your life. And all of mine were around human development and growth. But I was a graphic designer. So I said, well, I've got two pathways now. I can either continue being a graphic designer, feel unfulfilled, uninspired, the occasional headache, procrastinate, hesitate, and frustrate. And it's not spontaneous because I'm not doing what I love. Or I could do what I love. Now, imagine being a graphic designer uh, for the next 50 years and I knew that I couldn't do that. It would be like a Chinese torture. Every symptom in my body would be trying to lead me to the fact that I'm just not doing what I love. And then I thought about becoming this inspirational speaker and straight away that doubting voice came into my head. But you're not Dr. John D. Martini. You're not Tony Robbins. You're not Deepak Chopra. Who's going to listen to you? And then I saw a vision. 
and I was 100 years old and I was on stage talking. And in that vision, I'd had more energy surge through my body than I'd ever had in my whole life. As tears streamed down both my cheeks, I knew that, uh, and I'd heard my, my mentor John say this, I'm not going to let anyone, anything, including myself, get in the way of my inspired mission. And I'd rather die trying to stand up than live my life on my knees. So on that day, I gave myself permission to take tiny little baby steps by the inch, it's a cinch, I say it today, tiny little baby steps every single day to move towards my goal. And that was the, uh, the hardest challenge, just giving myself permission after that weekend. Releasing that must have been a massive weight lifted. And I am very, very curious to know, how did you set up the, not so much letting go mentally, but did you have to have like, a conversation with your father afterwards? Did you have to sit him down and say, look, this is the journey I've been on. This is this, this is that. And you know, did you have that sort of candid conversation with him? No, <laughs> that's the best thing about the method. Um, everything I worked on was my perceptions of my father. The minute I worked on them, there's a completion process um, as part of the method where you release everything. So um, I came back from Perth, once again, the other side of Melbourne, and I came back and my perceptions of my father had taken every single thing that I disliked, despised, and didn't appreciate about my father and brought it into balance. And because of that, when I came back, the very things that we would argue about so here's a great example. Um, I sat down, I used to get a lot of car fights. Um, and my father, who loved me, would say, he'd walk in and throw the um, envelope on the table and say, I bet you it's another car fine. Why do you just keep throwing away money and giving it to the um, government unnecessarily? And previously, I'd take that as him attacking me. And um, I would want to get into an argument with him. But because I had just completed a method where I'd written down 100 benefits of him doing that, I realized that... Um, he was wanting to have a look after my life financially and help me in that way and look out for any area that I was missing out on. So as a free financial advisor, so I was saving a couple of thousand dollars a month there. He was also keeping an eye on all the areas that I was not growing in and evolving. So he was a dedicated father. Um, and that would take a, um, somebody like me, and that's a couple of thousand dollars per hour. So um, he was doing that for free. He was offering free accommodation. And it was always in the areas that I wasn't keeping an eye on. And it's hard enough to master all seven areas of life, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family. So if somebody's willing to give you accommodation and keep an eye on those areas for you, I'd say they're quite valuable. <laughs> so as my father's complaining, I said, well, hold on, wait there half a second. I'm going to get a notepad. And went and got a notepad and wrote down all of the key areas that he was challenging me. And I said, thanks, mate. And he walked off. So he came back later on in the day. Um, you know, and he's annoyed and he's saying some more things. I pull out the notepad, write everything that um, he's the key points of what he's saying, not the fluff, but the key points of what he was really talking about. Address every one of those items that week. I kept doing that for three or four weeks. After about the fourth week, my mom comes up to me and says, uh, your dad was talking to me. He wants to know why you're not arguing with him. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually he'd get into that time and then I'd start an argument. That's awesome. She goes, yeah, he wants to know if everything's all right. Um, and what's going on. And I, I just looked at her and I said, uh, this man provides accommodation. Um, this is what it would cost for me to have a financial advisor. This is what it would cost for me to have a, a life coach at a minimum. Um, this is what it would cost. And I went through all seven areas and we came up with at least $10,000 for value a month. And I said, Eddie's willing to give me accommodation and he gets angry when I'm not killing it in those areas. 
I go, oh, he's valuable to me. And I love this man. And in fact, uh, every one of those notes I've taken down, I've addressed each one of them and I'm already saving even more money now. So um, if he wants to get <laughs> angry and play 100% and be a dedicated father and keep an eye on the areas that I'm missing, oh, I need that. And uh, from doing that, I teach relationship dynamics today, but when you change one part of the dynamic, the whole dynamic changes because he was, he'd come back and try and argue with me, but I had nothing but love and gratitude towards him because I was really grateful for what he was doing. So eventually he just softened up because he went, I just, he, he has no intention of arguing with me. Whatever I'm saying, he wants to listen to it. In fact, he wants to grow and evolve. And what I realized was he just had a different expression of love that I did. And the minute that I mastered those areas, I mean, finances was one of them. I remember him really pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. But one day I just came home. I mean, Turek's a very affluential area in Melbourne. Um, I came home with a nice Mercedes um, and uh, I just come back from my office and he spoke to my mum, who was doing both of our paperwork for my business and his. And uh, she told him how much I was earning. And then he never said anything about that area of finances again. <laughs> the minute I mastered it, he shut up. So I realized that uh, there was a whole different way of perceiving the value that my father gave for me. And the minute that I did, uh, I could find love and gratitude and I didn't have to change him. I could just alter my perception. So um, we've had conversations today, but I've never had to fully explain what it is that I did because he just wouldn't get it. He's in a very different level of awareness. We're the polar opposites in the family. Um, whatever he believes, I'm like the the antichrist version of that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's it works out perfectly um, because that's exactly what I needed to be where I am today and doing what I love. What advice would you give someone... It was going through a difficult time right now. So we're talking, you've gone through something pretty difficult. You've traveled, you've had to do so much just to to overcome that situation. What words of wisdom would you have to someone that was going through something difficult themselves? Well, the first thing that I want to say is that um, in 11 years of working with clients, in the most extreme cases, um, and assisting them to create results, that um, there are no mistakes and there are actually no right and wrongs. Uh, there's a divine perfection within the universe and those that see it um, are changed forever. So the first thing I want to say is you're exactly where you are for what you need to be at your level of evolution. And whatever you've been through is, is serving and assisting you in a way that challenges you to have something different that you give humanity. So that's the first thing, that you're perfect where you are right now. Uh, but the choice to create change and then evolve and grow to something else um, is one that's quite beautiful. And I'd probably say by the inch, it's a cinch. I played sport when I was younger, and it's, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about competing, setting goals, and that every single goal started off with foundational. So if I, when I wanted to play basketball in grade three, and by grade six, I was winning all the awards, all I did was I took all the fundamentals, the smallest things that I could do, and I practiced them every single day and aimed to perfect them. As the fundamentals grew, I realized that everything on top of that was just a couple of fundamentals put together would be an advanced thing. So I'd say start off with the basics. Place a little bit of time a day to read, research, um, or, or write something. So continue to actually evolve your mind from where you are. Um, you know, especially if you're in a stage where I was, where you feel you can't afford a consultant like myself, like, you know, go to the free YouTube and things like that and educate your mind, but start off by the interest cinch, create a little habit of giving yourself permission to have some self-care where you evolve and grow and practice concepts that you're learning. Then from there, set your next goal and make them so small 
that it's so easy to achieve that every single time that you achieve a goal, you increase your self-confidence and your self-worth and your self-worthiness and give yourself permission to go on to the next goal, the next goal, and the next goal. And as you do that, that's how you end up um, in a position where, you know, not that I think I'm in the grandest position, but the 11 years to be able to do what I've done, I've realized that I've just treated it every single day as just a couple of small challenges in all seven areas. And I'm looking to try and achieve as many of those as I possibly can. And whatever I achieve today, fantastic. If not, I get onto them tomorrow. But because I achieve a couple of those every day, at the end of the year, it looks mammoth. But really, I've just been playing a very tiny game every single day. So that would be my first pieces of advice, uh, which would be by the inch of the cinch, um, eat a little bit every single day, but make sure you do it every day. Well, that is a fantastic way to end. I really enjoyed this conversation. Great to have you on the show as well. How can people find out more about you? I'd say um, connect with me on Facebook. I do a lot of Facebook lives uh, talking about all seven areas of life, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family. Uh, One of the differences in the work that I do is that we guarantee results um, when working with clients. So I invite you to uh, come and say hello. We have a complimentary 20-minute consultation call, uh, which is a great way of having a conversation and finding out where you are, what it is that we can achieve. Um, Well, Manuel, it's been fantastic. Hopefully anyone listening to this that feels a connection to you will reach out and will enter your world. It's been great to have you on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch. Very much appreciated. Thank you very much for your time. I am joined by Dr. Angela Wilson, who's a PhD researcher in the holistic space. And a lot of her work is around providing solutions for people and the root causes of human tragedy. Angela, it's amazing to have you on the show. Uh, It's my pleasure and my honor to share my story here. Hopefully it can inspire some of your audience. Now, as someone that does a lot of the the mindset side as a job, as a profession, that's and also as a researcher, which is very, very interesting. But I'm curious as to what your biggest challenge was for you. Like what was the biggest challenge you've overcome? I don't have any challenge now, but I did have bearable challenge since my birth. And that's leading me to my freedom on the mindset have no challenge later on. So I was born unwanted. And my mom tried to drown me to death at my birth. So my parents, who were both were Western medical doctors, had carried a lot of stress because social environment. And also as a unwanted child, I got a chance to follow my doctor parents to their daily routine. When they, yeah, they work in the hospital and we actually reside in the city hospital at the residential building, you know, in old system. Um, I was born in China and uh, now I'm, I'm Australia. And that time when we were in China, you know, social, you know, stress, you know, all the environment, you know, it's really was really not that pleasant. So parents had carried so much stress. So they put all this stress to me because that's a safe way for them to release their stress. Otherwise, if they, you know, show their uh, stress, anger, you know, you know, to yeah. to the environment, like with colleagues, you never know what might happen. It's very dangerous. So that time I, 
I got a chance to observe all those rich people, all those powerful suffer exactly like those poor and vulnerable in the hospital environment. You know, especially my parents were, you know, celebrity doctors. Yeah, and then my my father parents always invited to visit and at home. You know, private talk. You know, sometimes they don't even want to visit our home because when they come to our home, the other people gossip, because they have the in high position celebrity. They don't want that. So I was the one actually carry the first first ad box and follow my doctor parents normally. When we're close to the house, my parents ask me to walk in first. Then they follow after maybe a couple of minutes. So nobody know my parents carry the medical, you know,、uh, you know, first aid because otherwise people gossip. You know,、yeah. you know, you were in the position. They don't want that. That's why I I was in privilege to really see the adults, you know, environment. That's not normal, you know. Normally, kids have a chance to play, you know, with mud, dolls. I never have a childhood like that. So all my childhood actually working with medical professionals, adults. So that gave me the chance to really see human beings suffering. So when most of us are living in the fear of uncertainty in the future or fear of death. Because COVID nineteen, I already worry about that since my birth. Now I don't worry anymore. Can you see that? Because that time I recognize, my God, that the human's life is not pleasant. So how I can solve this problem? I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. You know, especially you know when my、uh, when my father told us,、uh, nobody can change destiny. That happened when I was six. My father it was so weird. My father actually took a notebook and started reading our destiny. All the kids' destiny is all written. And when I heard one of my sister will have a miserable life after forty, everyone look at her. And her face, you know, I was so angry. You know, at that time I was six. I was so angry when I see her face is just just like a naive, vulnerable, just waiting to be slaughtered. It's like a, you know, it's like a a fish, live fish, you know, waiting、yeah. for to cut on the <laughs> on the kitchen table. I hate that <laughs> feeling. So I I I、uh, look at my dad, ask how to change destiny. My father said nobody can change destiny. My father looked at me like I'm an alien. That's what that was a awakening time. So I told myself, no, I would never allow any power over me, and control my destiny. That's the really the time I was I start my serious practice to want taking the control. But as a as a kid, nobody even even want to look at you. You 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 are nobody. You you know your life is not matter to a family. Now how how you can control your destiny when you were physically, emotionally, mentally abused? You know the good things is when I was two and a half, around two and a half. One day when I felt so much pain, in when my mom abused me, beat me. So I told myself maybe it's a time I need to tell her stop it. If you don't stop it, I'm going to revenge. I was thinking like a like an adult, you know. That's really weird, right? Not normal. And then I look her back, and you know what happens? 
I recognize my my eyes, my angry eyes. Look at her, and I got the response back. I recognize she wants to kill me. That's the time I recognize danger. That's the time I recognize no. I cannot express my ang anger or discomfort feeling to the external world. Otherwise, I will get a consequence. I learned that lesson when I was, you know, toddler, too young. So when I when at the six, when my father said nobody can change destiny, then I was thinking, okay, I really need to be serious to practice how to get rid of all the uncomfortable and anxious feeling, you know, tension inside my body. And I didn't like the feeling, you know, that the that emotional energy is is like a volcano. Is is energy way we impact your organs i didn't like that feeling mm. so that's the time i i started to working inside my whole body i call it the matrix my matrix and then basically i was accidentally uh crashed the code you know hacked the unconscious mind the danger place 80 percent is the unconscious mind unconscious mind is largely inaccessible so Sigmund Freud already said that. This is also the reason why globally, no mental health issue can be solved. That's why professionals in psychology, you know, everyone, you know, try to find a solution on mental health issue, that, but no solution. And that's why so many billionaires, celebrities, top, you know, successful achievers along the lifetime, regardless how much mental strength they have how good their mindset they have they cannot escape eventual tragedy that's all because of the unconscious mind is inaccessible but the reason inaccessible because it's hacked that's why i'm here on your show to share the secret what were the main points that you had to go through? What did you actually have to do to shift away from fear or worry or anger towards more, I can actually do something about this? I think uh, I was lucky. I was in the position that every day I saw people die in the hospital. I saw the newborn baby so beautiful and born dead. I saw the couple argue, you know, a fight, and then actually uh, took a, a chemical, try to kill themselves. The doctors, you know, put a, put a tube, you know, as a little kid, you don't know what's that. You just see the tube go into the nose, you know, to to wash the stomach. So, and I I see the adults, you know, or you know, suffering, or a newborn baby, they're happy, you know, newborn baby, then. After a couple of days, to find out the baby have health issue, they're not happy. So I don't see, you know, other adults live a better life than me. I saw that I think their life is more miserable because they are already adults. They still suffer. You know, I'm a new, new, new uh, you know, a toddler. That's that's the time I thought, uh huh. I don't want to go through their problem. So I want to learn lesson. I don't want to experience the. I saw what they have suffering, and then I experience the same way i think that could be silly that's the time i think i have to i have to get rid of that so my whole life journey is working on that regardless you know what kind of project i do you what kind of business you know i engage with 
all focus on one thing, make sure every millions on earth counts. What happens, you know, most of us, you, you can see we, we try to fight for the future, get get be successful, or at least survival, right? Have a house, apartment, have a car, and live reasonable. But then when retired, you know, if nothing going wrong with our health issue, then we retire and we are waiting for the death. Then at the time, we don't know where we are going after death. To me, I didn't think life would make sense like that. So when I see your people, you know, newborn baby die and old people die and the rich people die, I was questioning where they're going after death. If, if, if we were going to die, why we come to the world? So I was, uh, I was bothered, really disturbed. Since birth, I was thinking, my God, that's a panic. Why I'm here? <laughs> you know? And my whole life, I was thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to busy focus doing things. At the end, I'm taken. At the end, nothing left for me. I don't want that. I remember, you know, when I was in, uh, I think later twenty. Uh, you know, I was also ambitious like other people. Yeah, and then when I was. Uh, uh, later 20, I recognize all those top successful people at the international level. They they suffer exactly the same way like how I saw those people in, in my hometown in childhood. You know, no difference, regardless of your culture difference and regardless of your, your country or language, all suffer the same way. That's the time I recognize, uh-huh, I need to be very, very, you know, mindful now and how actually to make sure everything makes sense to the level is i call it infinite success so to be honest i practice since childhood is become automatic yeah mm. and then when i was in 20 when i working with different business owners and i recognize uh -huh, why i'm able to survive why they cannot why they still have all this kind of energy and discomfort the inside body and then let them impact the physical health, emotional health, mental health. Then I start to uh, uh, study the psychology. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I have uh, so many qualifications, you name it. I'm even registered because I want to research everything. I, I'm a person who like to learn properly. So I go through all different qualifications, academic study and the working with, with the clients most of them basically business owners, entrepreneurs, to help them to engage the, their business performance with their physical, emotional, and mental health. Put like this, doesn't matter what we do, yeah? Well, doesn't matter what kind of career we have. At the end, all what we do is just the external world using our whole body, yeah, as a medium, am I right? So everything we do, we stretch out and search for something, have to come back, serve our whole body and make sure we are able to lead into our infinite success. That's what's in my mind all the time. Otherwise, you know, doesn't make sense. You, you just look at people around, you know, when you ask them a question, what, what do you think uh, uh, will happen in five years, 10 years? Most people, they said, who knows? Let's see what happens. But the point is, when we run a business, yeah, or when we wanted to buy an apartment, or when we wanted to build a project, we have a plan. We know exactly what will be. And when we're going to finish that, 
how we're going to finish that and what's the outcome we want to get. Am I right? But most of us tend to forget one thing. Everything we are doing in, you know, through the life experience have to serve our body. We, maybe we don't know where we come from. There are different, uh, you know, sayings, yeah, or your belief system, but we definitely want to dominate where we are heading to and want to make sure every day what we are doing actually can generate assets, invisible assets, mind power assets to make sure no matter what happens in the future, you are able to control your destiny. Life is unpredictable if we don't know what might happen. But life is so predictable, you know, if we already know everything and then we put that in concern and then we prepare ourselves good enough. That's it. That's why, you know, when people panic, I have no, no problem with that because I pre prepare long time ago. I'm 50. I prepared a long time since my birth. So I'm 50 years ahead. Angela, it's been amazing. But before we dive off, I'm really curious because you've gone through a lot since this moment as well. You've definitely come out the other side. At least it seems that way to me. You've sort of let go of the entire situation to a certain degree. And what I really want to know is if someone was going through something similar to you right now, what advice would you give that person? Okay, need to position our mindset as a warrior, warrior spirit. Never wait until you know enemy come and uh, you have no chance to prepare yourself and pr protect your territory. When I say territory, that's your whole body. Everything come back to your whole body, physical, emotional, and mental health. What happens, the unconscious mind hacking in hack 24-7. So we need to weapon ourselves consciously, emotion level, and working on the body. So we are able to protect ourselves. So I teach all, you know, all my clients like uh, have the ability to tap into multidimensional perception. Because all the human beings issue comes from we have we are trapped into limited perception. So I teach clients hacking the hacker is to how to hack the unconscious mind and through what through open the perception. So then we can free ourselves, especially we need to have a worry spirit to do it. Be initiative. You know, now people, there are still some business owners or people, you know, who were worker, yeah, try to engage with the internet, online engagement, but still suffer, many are suffering. I have prepared this, I think around, since around 2013. That time I recognize, you know, how I engage with the local business is not efficient. 
you know, you book an appointment, the meet, meet in the coffee shop, or in the meeting, they have a chat, then drive back. Oh my God, so much time wasted. It's not productive. So that's the time I started to in, in, invest. Yeah. And then move my business online global. That's a long time ago. So always be prepared your mind follow the dynamic situation. People normally like to live in the comfort zone. That's how our mind is, is set up. Reptilian brain in our DNA is set up. We don't want to move. We don't like to change. If we don't like change, we have to force change. We will panic. So we need to get used to feel comfortable with the discomfort of change. Once you like that, and then you will find out that your worry spirit come out then you will be have the ability to look in things forward before it happens. Then you will never be victimized. That is very, very well put, Angela, as always. It's been great to chat. Really enjoyed the conversation. Where can people go to learn more about you? So it's your chance to share websites and social media as well. Yeah, they can go to uh, my website, PATH, P-A-T-H, Pass to Liberty, T-O-L-I-B-E-R-T-Y.com. And they can sign up for the free training. And also they can find me on social media, type My Power Lady, Facebook, LinkedIn. They can find me. Amazing, Angela. Thank you so much again. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Me too. And uh, I would like to say to all the audience, I love you all and stay safe in this COVID-19. Next on the show is Susie Taff. Susie is an engineer, entrepreneur, and single mom of three. She's dedicated to helping women feel amazing every day. Susie, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you, Michael. Great to chat to you today. That's a lot of things in in one go. And just the fact that you're able to help mums like yourself and parents like yourself overcome their own challenges that's that's quite a shopping list if you will of things that you've gone through or things that you've achieved so share to us a bit about what your biggest obstacle is that you've overcome okay so I would say we would jump back about six years ago when um, I got divorced from my then husband so now ex-husband and I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Now, that in itself would have, would have been a challenge to then be raising three children that are that young, because that's quite young, yeah. um, and there's three of them, <laughs> and there's three of them. Um, however, the big curveball actually came um, shortly after that when he then consequently went bankrupt. So I was there <laughs> with three children, and I had been made redundant after my last child when he was born. So I was a fly-in, fly-out engineer. So um, that means we usually do long rotations out in the middle of Australia, which is where I'm from, and we do big, long 28 days on, seven days off. Um, and But now I was pretty much the sole carer for three kids, so that wasn't an option. So I was sort of left at a crossroads of... Um, how do I support myself financially? And it was either I would have to basically nearly relinquish care of my children to my parents or someone else if I was to pursue the FIFO engineering um, option 
so that what it, it basically wasn't even an option. Um, so becoming financially independent was my number one goal. But I did have a bit of an epiphany at the time, which was along the lines of I have a chance right now to actually shape my life into how I want. Like I'm kind of at ground zero. <laughs> I I can I now can have a chance to where would you like to go? And so I had created a product for myself. Um, I live in Australia. It can be quite hot here. So um, some people get, well, lots of women get chafe between their legs. It's a really ugly word, but a really common problem over here. So if you want to wear a skirt or a dress, the dreaded chafe comes into play. So I had created a pair of, um, I call them petty pants. So they're like a petticoat, but it like pants for your legs. Um, I'd done them for myself and I hadn't really thought of a commercial viability for them until someone else had asked me, how do you wear dresses and skirts all the time without getting chafe? And it was only then that I realised because it's such a shameful um, condition that no one really talks about it. I didn't realise other people even got it. So I combined the fact that I might be able to help people alleviate from this pain and shame along with support my family together. So that was born on that day when I found out that there was no money anymore and I took all the frequent flyer points that we had and booked three trips to China to make that dream a reality. It, it, it sounded like it was going to be a lot easier at the time. It actually took me five years to eventually crawl my way through it. I did have another job at the time. So and then sort of bootstrapped it on the side and just slowly made my way through until I could resign from that job and work in it full time and support my three kids from my business. So what ran through your mind at the time then? It sounds like a lot of that was happening quite close together. So what was it like? It actually, um, I'm not sure if you've seen that movie Joy um, about the queen of QVC where she creates the mop and she's a single mom and she's got these parents living with her and she's trying to make this reality. And I watched it on the plane on my first trip to China over there to create, to start this product. And I was just in tears. I was bawling. Like the tears were just streaming down my face. And it just, it felt like I was actually jumping off a cliff with no parachute and no idea how I was going to land. But I was just going to try and figure it out on the way. <laughs> and I didn't know how the landing was going to go. <laughs> wow. So there's like the old entrepreneur analogy of jump off the cliff and build a plane on the way down. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, one of the, I guess, assumptions with that is you probably wouldn't have taken the action if somewhere down the line you thought that you could maybe pull it off because you had a job at the time and bootstrapped it and all those things that you still wanted to, to do it. So what gave you that trust, I guess, or that faith and belief in yourself? I think what I, it was actually bigger than just me. I think what I did was I had faith in what it was providing. I had faith in the fact that it was actually a product that would help serve other people and actually help them feel better within themselves. And for me, I'm very spiritual and I just believe that it was a higher purpose that the calling was for. It wasn't just, I was only a smaller part in the play that, I had this trust that it just because I had many back, I had many 10 steps forward, 48 steps back. <laughs> and so <laughs> I really had to dig deep. There was lots of tears and there was times when I thought that it just wasn't going to take off. And I was just, what is going on? It has to work because the principle is right. 
So I think it was, I trusted that the larger principle of helping other people was enough for it to eventually work. Did you have any moments where you didn't think it would work? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. I had one. I had one and I had some faulty stock, second lot of faulty stock come. And I remember sitting at my table and I just remember I, it, was the, it was actually the lowest point I had in all of the years in the divorce in any of it. It was definitely my lowest point. And that was about probably six months before it eventually started getting traction. So I did have a way to go um, from there to actually keep going. But, yeah, that was definitely my rock bottom. What did it take to overcome that? It must have been so easy to quit or stop and and not do it again so what was going through your mind well I suppose it was the enormous credit card debt that I had because I was thinking in my other job didn't pay very much and I was like I've got the credit card debt I currently have is twice time my annual salary like that I have to fix this because otherwise I would be like just slowly crawling through for the rest of my life do you know what I mean like if you have debt it's twice your annual salary you can't come back from that easily. I was just, so I went and I just sort of like scrout and asked, I asked a lot of advice, like, how can I fix this? What can I do? And I found people who helped guide me into ways to actually fix it at a rate that I can. See, at the moment I was still just on my small, my small annual salary. So I had to pay to fix all the things. I did them in increments. So I just, and I was like sort of just <laughs> sitting down and I would be, okay, I would only be allowed to be poor like one or two days a month and I would sit and I'd work out all the finances then and then I'd go back into, no, this is going to work so that I didn't wallow in that financial distress all the time because if you do that, it can consume you and then you're never going to get forward. Um, So what I did was just allow a certain amount of time each month, juggle all the money, all the cash, where the credit cards had to be paid, et cetera, and slowly paid off to fix this problem and then about six months later, so that was about August 2019, then I got my first traction and it, and I started to then get the um, accolades for exactly what I thought. Women saying, you have literally changed my life. Like this product has changed how I can live my life now. So I, I, the faith was there and then I actually got confirmation that I was on the right path. Must have felt good to get the confirmation and in some cases validation as well because it can be so easy to talk yourself into it to a certain extent but when you've got other people doing it as well that, that can only add add fuel to the fire so it must have been must have been tough to to go through that but then it was made easier when you got a lot of praise and messages from people what would you say your biggest lessons were from that and what advice would you give to someone that wants to follow in in your footsteps? I would definitely say the biggest lessons and the biggest helping was asking for help from other people. So finding whatever help that you need, if you need, uh, like I have a fantastic psychologist who helped me get through a lot of the divorce and the personal um, work to get me feeling good within myself so that I could actually tackle things like this. Um, and then getting also getting help. Like um, in Australia, we have lots of resources where you can get like I get um, financial planning tools and, and business courses and the government puts on a lot of things. So 
I think definitely t- take all the free help you can get. And there's a ton out there as well. So I would definitely say um, get as much help as possible. <laughs> well, that is something that I think a lot of people need to hear because it can be so, I guess, pride driven. Like you did it yourself. Sometimes you've got this sense of the achievement so much bigger when you do it yourself and somehow feels lesser if you've had a lot of help along the way. Is that something you can speak to? Um, definitely, but I actually don't think anyone can do it all by themselves. I think that it's there's just too many things that are unknown and stuff that can go wrong. And I must say that I do now mentor other people wanting to start businesses and help them out as well. So I think there is, especially in small business over here, here in Australia, there's a real, um, we help each other out. And I say, this this is the pitfalls. So I had a recent person who was interested in like, should she retail um, like online or should she be a wholesaler to shops? And like, so I could give her my pros and my cons between the two of them. And then she can then take a step back. And instead of having to go through some of the pain I've been through, she can then make an educated decision from somebody else, not having to walk the painful path all the time. <laughs> It's always better to, to do that. And it's weird, really, because it reminds me of a lot of the things that people want to achieve, like their goals and their aspirations. They are bigger than just one person. You know, when you, when you speak to people that have like goals and dreams and you know, it's almost confusing why they would expect to be able to do it on their own. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. It's, it's virtually impossible. Very, very well put, Susie. And I think, again, it might be a bit of a harsh reality for some people listening, but you know, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and realise that you might actually achieve it if you don't attempt to do it all by yourself. How can people learn more about yourself, Susie? Where can people go to find out more? Um, there's lots of information on my website, which is mistymassey.com um, or my Instagram page, which is at mistymassey underscore um, or Facebook, Missy Massey. So M-I-S-S-Y-M-A-S-S-Y. There's all the information there. Thanks for so much for being a guest on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks so much, Michael. That is it. I hope you've taken some wise words of wisdom and inspiration from today's podcast. Feel free to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a review sharing what you think and I look forward to seeing you all again on the next episode. Just before you take off, if you'd like to join my inner circle, which is accountability, access to me, and you also get the chance to have exclusive interviews with my podcast guests. If you click the link in the description for the podcast, you get a two-month free trial in the inner circle. I shall see you on the other side.